are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Wednesday hump day edition of Locked On Pelicans. We've got a couple of things to cover today. We've got some news on the coaching front, but with the Indiana Pacers, they made a hire. What does it mean for Chris Finch? I want to talk a little bit about Jackson Hayes and what it could mean for the Pelicans in the offseason. Where can he develop and does that make someone on this roster expendable? And then finally, we're going to look at Tyrese Maxey of Kentucky, looking at him and his draft profile as we gear up for the NBA draft uh, next month. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So let's start off with the big news of the day, and that is that the Indiana Pacers have hired their next head coach, and it is not Chris Finch. It's Nate Bjorkgren from the Toronto Raptors, a name that you might not be familiar with. I saw some talk about him in terms of the Pelicans head coaching job, but doesn't seem like that really went anywhere, and I don't even know if he was really a candidate. But he makes a lot of sense for a team like the Indiana Pacers, a team that their roster is going to be different probably like every year for the next couple of years. They're going to have guys coming in and out their trades and what have you as they kind of transition to whatever the next team that they're going to be is. He is a guy in Bjorkren who has coached the G League, the D League, where basically you have like a new roster, sometimes on a game to game basis. And I think that kind of makes a lot of sense right now for the Indiana Pacers and trying to get a guy like that who can get the most out of his players when you don't really know who those guys are going to be. And you're also seeing the emergence of the Nick Nurse coaching tree, which might be the next big thing here in the NBA, as he's had a lot of success with the Toronto Raptors. Very forward thinking. People think of him kind of on the cutting edge of NBA stuff. Getting a guy from that tree and who can maybe replicate some of what he's had, where he's taken a kind of a ragtag group of guys at times to a lot of success, other than, you know, when they had Kawhi Leonard. But Bjorgren seems to make a lot of sense for the Indiana Pacers and everything they're trying to do. Again, if you're unless you're named Jason Kidd, I'm probably going to think you're a good hire in the NBA right now. I really like all of the guys that are kind of out there for the most part. And I think this is a smart move for the Indiana Pacers when it was rumored maybe they were going to look for Mike D'Antoni. You know, when and I've said it on here, when everyone asks me when a name gets brought up about a, a potential coach is what's his coaching style? What's his offense? What's his... Uh, what's the identity there? All of that stuff. And, you know, I, I've said I kind of want a guy who doesn't have that, right? Who doesn't just stick to one thing and is willing to maximize whatever the players on the roster give him. And Bjorkren is definitely a guy who can kind of do it. Whereas D'Antoni is kind of the opposite of that. Like, you've got to run his style and you've got to have the players for that. And if you don't, it's going to be a failure. Here, you want you want a coach that whatever you give me, I'm going to get the most out of him. And we're going to find the best way to utilize every single guy on the roster and together. And he kind of fits that mold. And that's also partially what I'm hoping that Pelicans look for as well as I don't think the roster we're seeing is going to be, you know, the roster that's like, that's the one that you win a title with. So I think there's some similarities there. For the Pelicans, this is relevant because of Chris Finch. He had been a finalist for that job 
Now he didn't get that job. Does it mean he comes back? He's obviously an offensive guru and very good in terms of coming up with schemes and all of that stuff there. So I think a lot of people would like to uh, to see him stay in New Orleans. I don't know if that's still going to be the case or not. And I think this maybe kind of accelerates him leaving. Maybe it's like what I said the Pelicans could be doing here where you want to interview everybody and then maybe you hire one of them as a lead assistant or to be someone on the coaching staff. Maybe they're going to throw Chris Finch a lot of money to be the lead assistant there in Indiana where they really want to try at least and modernize that offense in that team. Or now that there's an opening on Toronto with Nick Nurse and his staff and they had tried to hire Chris Finch before, maybe they make another run at him again and try and bring him in as a lead assistant to replace Bjorkren. So I still don't know if this means that Chris Finch is coming back or if maybe it means he's even more likely to leave. I think could be an opportunity as well for him elsewhere in a couple of different spots. So there you go. There's your coaching search update that's tangentially related to New Orleans. So we'll get to some analysis of Jackson Hayes defensively, I think, because I think he's a little underrated there. And I wonder if that affects how the Pelicans are going to operate in free agency to some degree. Before we do that, though, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. You guys have heard me say it before. I'm going to say it again. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's really that simple, whether it's the delicious flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake. Maybe it's the fact that they're low in calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, or the fact that they're soft, they're easy to chew, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they're going to make you think you're eating a candy bar instead of a protein bar. These things are straight up awesome. 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, so you can take eat one after you work out, after you lift, and you're not going to just waste all the cardio that you did earlier with the low calories that they are. There's 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories. And if you want to try them, and I really think you should, I eat one daily uh, after a workout as a meal replacement, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts from here Monday through Friday for y'all breaking down everything you want to know about the team. No paywall and podcast Monday through Friday. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. So as I was doing some research into free agency, and I I was mainly laughing at an article that came out about Andre Drummond of the Detroit Pistons, uh, not of the Pistons, sorry, of the Cleveland Cavaliers now traded, and he's going to opt into his player option of $28.5 million next season. And the way the article frames it, it's like a damn threat. Like, oh, if you don't give me an extension, I'm going to opt into my $28.5 million deal as if he wasn't going to opt into that anyway. Because Andre Drummond is a big that will put up some points, 15 to 20, and give you a bunch of rebounds, 13 to like 18 to 20. On any given night, like he averaged 17 and 7. Those numbers sound really good, right? But then you've got to kind of factor in that he doesn't play defense despite somehow receiving in a stupid ballot, receiving a defensive player of the year vote because of the rebounds. And look, defensive rebounds are a good thing. They end possessions. Don't get me wrong. But let's not pretend that Andre Drummond is a good re- uh, is, is a good defender. Um, he averaged 17 points, 17 and a half points per game last season and 11 rebounds. So those are decent numbers. Don't get me wrong. But how many points does he cost you on the offensive end by clogging the lane and killing any spacing? If Andre Drummond gave you 17 and a half with the Pelicans and he was on the roster, how ineffective is Zion being? 
right? It seems like it would be pretty ineffective. So he's saying like, I want a big contract. I want an extension where I get a bunch of money. And it's like, that Cleveland would be crazy to do that. Any team would be crazy to do that. He said, I don't, I don't want to take a big pay cut from $30 million that he's making this season as if he's going to get anywhere close to that. There shouldn't get anywhere close to that. And it got me thinking a little bit about Derek Favors and his value to the team, even if his defense is pretty good. But what about compared to Jackson Hayes? And maybe it's better to just kind of roll with a guy at center. Like, would you prefer Aaron Baines at $5 million or Andre Drummond at $28.5 million? Right? Like, it seems like a no-brainer. You would pick Aaron Baines. He's not all that good. Can you just kind of live with a dude, some guy at center to kind of hold down the fort till you either find the right concept of a lineup that works where you don't need to worry about that or you find kind of the right guy to play center? And it got me kind of digging in to uh, Jackson Hayes a little bit. I was kind of curious to see what some of his defensive advanced numbers look like on the B-Ball Dash Index. And again, if you want to subscribe, you can get 500 plus player profiles, great analysis and insight into a lot of NBA uh, players and statistics over at the B-Ball Dash Index com for just $5 a month. And Hayes, I thought, was a little bit underrated on the defensive side of the ball in terms of some rim protection and just at least trying to contest shots. I, I didn't think he was a great defensive rebounder, but I don't think this Pelicans team overall was a really good rebounding team either, particularly when you factor in how many shots were being taken against him. But I wanted to watch him a little bit more on film, and I wanted to dive into some of the defensive numbers, and I came away feeling kind of good about him as a defensive player. He's not there just yet, but some of the numbers, particularly on the inside, are very good. He he is not a rim deterrence at all. Teams tried to target him defensively and go at him. And one thing that I've seen, and this goes back to the time where Omer Ashik was here, that if you do it in enough volume, even if a guy's a good rim protector and you just blitz him enough with drive after drive after drive at the rim and at him, the numbers in terms of the counting stats won't look good because it's just happening on such high volume that it's going to make anybody look bad. No one can do it as much as some of these guys get picked on, even if they are actually pretty good defenders. So he falls into that problem that teams really targeted him uh, defensively trying to get a guy going downhill and get a switch on there and force him to try and contest it. But he did a very good job. When he's on the court, he contests shots. In terms of what the B-Ball Dash Index says, he grades out into the B-plus percentile, 76th percentile of that. He contested 30% of the shots at the rim when he was on the court. That's not just at him, but that's when he is on the court. That is a really good number, actually. And when you look at... Um, a number of the, the, it's the, the stat they have is field goal percentage at the rim versus what's expected team shot players shot 12% worse at the rim than what they normally would shoot at the rim. When you had Jackson Hayes as the main defender, that's an incredible stat. I think that put him in the 84th percentile. It's an A minus by their rankings on this. That's really good for a rookie. Compare it to a guy like um, Derek Favors, and it's not as great. Derek Favors was a decent, you know, rim protector too, but 
When you look at his numbers in terms of defensive field goal percentage versus what's expected, it was just minus 1.8%. Jackson Hayes was the best on the team in 12.1. Now, it's not on a, on a ton of volume, so kind of take the sample size to account to some degree. But Zion Williamson, we knew he was bad defensively, and the numbers bear that out too. Team shot 17.7% against him at the rim compared to what was expected. So when you look at some of those numbers, well, it makes Jackson Hayes seem like he could be good on that side of the ball, that he could be good at the rim and as an interior defender and a rim protector. And that makes me feel pretty good that maybe you can just roll with him at that spot for a little bit and just kind of platoon those minutes rather than committing potential big money or long-term money, most importantly. I don't mind one year of an overpay, but two or three years starts to worry me about committing money to Derek Favors. And if we think that Jackson Hayes will improve on the rebounding, and some of the numbers are there, he boxes out uh, decently well. His positioning, I think, is pretty good. And he at least fights for rebounds. You can't ask for a ton more than that. I'm going to feel a whole lot better about him as a player. And I think you can potentially then see him really blossom into a starting center, particularly if he works on his offensive game and starts to develop an outside shot. So all this is to say, I don't think that the team needs to bring Derek Favors back. And maybe it really is time to rely on Jackson Hayes to try and be that defensive, not anchor, but good enough defender, and then just kind of roll with the youth movement, save some money, and not worry about re-signing Derek Favors. Just one of the, some of the insights I came across and some of the things I was looking at when I started planning for more talk about the Pelicans in free agency, I wanted to give you that little bit of a preview. All right, coming up, we've got a little bit more to talk about on today's show where I want to look at Tyrese Maxey out of Kentucky. This is a name that's come up a couple of times in conversations I've had with just friends and other people around. Could he be a steal in the draft, even if you're not all that high on him, particularly with the shooting? And I'll explain what I mean coming up here in just a moment. Before we get to that, though, today's show is brought to you by Roman. A healthy life includes a healthy sex life, but if you struggle with erectile dysfunction, you may not feel like your best self. And if you want help with ED, Roman connects you with a real U.S. licensed healthcare professional who can prescribe the medication that you need. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you real medication with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. And getting started is even easier. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn to complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to talk about, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn to get up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment, a free online visit, and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOn for up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment. Again, that is GetRoman.com slash LockedOn. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. The only show here Monday through Friday for y'all breaking down everything you want to know about the team. We've got it all covered, whether it's trades, free agency, the coaching search, everything you want to know about the Pelicans, Zion, Ingram. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're going to wrap up today's show looking towards the draft a little bit. I want to talk about a prospect that either you love or don't like whatsoever. There's no real in-between I think on him, though, I feel kind of in between on him. And that's Tyrese Maxey out of Kentucky. I was thinking about him because someone asked me about him on Twitter. Uh, Trevor Zickraff, who used to cover the Spurs, still covers the Spurs, too. 
asked me what I thought about him when I was kind of trying to put together a bit of a big board for some of this stuff. And I had him probably in the 20s, and he thought maybe I should list him higher, kind of solely based off of a guy like Tyler Hero coming out of Kentucky and then lighting it up in the NBA. And maybe we sleep on some Kentucky guys a little too much recently, particularly shooters. And Maxie did not shoot well in his lone season at Kentucky. He's a freshman two guard, but plays some of the point two, but isn't very traditional in that sense, who isn't the tallest. He's probably 6'2". I think he doesn't have elite size or athleticism or wingspan, but he was a highly rated guy coming into the college ranks. And the ringer has him as comparisons of Kyle Lowry, Bradley Beal, and Carson Edwards. He He's strong at finishing at the rim. If you just need an aggressive guard, this is probably a rat where the Pelicans are going to be picking one of the better guys that you can get. He's pretty good at finishing around the rim and being able to score through some traffic and awkward angles if needs be. Uh, I think that's a good thing. You know, he can use both his left and right hand, which makes him a little bit craftier on offense. And he's a pretty good uh, defender. I think he moves well. He's a pretty good on-ball defender and off-ball. He does keep his head turning left and right, so it's on a swivel there. He stays engaged with everything uh, and seems to be a pretty smart NBA player. If you don't like him, it's because you don't like his shot in the shoot and everything he did in college. And that is completely, completely understandable because he shot the three ball under 30%, 29.2%. That's not great. His field goal percentage was 42.7%. It's a concern, but one of our draft gurus, experts, Brad Rowland of Locked on Hawks, who's been doing amazing draft coverage. I pulled some of the audio from Locked on Hawks where he talks about Maxi because he's got an interesting theory on why he thinks Maxi's going to be a good NBA shooter. I'm going to play that clip for you guys right now. Tyrese Maxi, who I've always liked and I've mentioned quite a bit on the podcast. I've always been a fan. Uh, he's a little smaller, 6'2", 6'3", somewhere like that, 6'6", wingspan, and uh I think in general, he got Kentuckied this year. It's tough to evaluate guys at Kentucky a lot, especially when he was playing next to a couple of combo guards. Like they basically they had three combo guards in the backcourt with um, Ashton Hagens and Emmanuel Quickly. They all did all did different things, but Maxi was utilized a bit weirdly. And uh, Kentucky's always tough in some ways because they just have so much talent. Um, but he didn't shoot well from three. That's definitely a red flag. If you just watch college tape, just like I was saying with Ma- uh, with Hampton, um, Maxi. The people that like Maxi are really relying, and this is myself included, a lot on pre-college tape, and his shot went in a lot more at lower levels. I think he's going to be able to shoot, but if you if you saw a three-point percentage from college, you may not think that. I totally get it. So it's a, it's, he's a pretty much a good example of someone who has a divide in the evaluation for people that really care about college only and people that care about pre-college a lot, and uh, that's kind of where I would open things up on Maxi because there's lots, there's lots to like about him regardless, like his floater game his in between game. His finishing is really creative and effective. I think he's a pretty good passer. I think he's gonna be a pretty good defender. He's strong um, and quick for his size, but um, he's still at the very, you know, if he doesn't make shots, it's really tough at six, two, six, three to make your mark as a non pure point guard. So that's, that's the biggest swing point in the evaluation. But Again, I think it depends on how much you value pre-college because the shot was part of his real appeal before he got to Kentucky and the ball just didn't go for him, go in for him this year. So pre-college, Maxi had a pretty good shot and it went in a whole lot more. So it kind of just depends of whether you think that form can 
carry over to the NBA. And it's worth noting that his free throw percentage in college was 83.3%. It's pretty good. You know, for 14 points per game playing off ball, he did pretty well. 3.2 assists. And I definitely see a lot of playmaker in him. Maybe it's similar to Karis LeVert where you're a little bit ball dominant. But his usage rate wasn't all of the, all that high at Kentucky. So can he be that combo guard that's a secondary creator for you when you need him? And I think he probably fits that role a little bit. I don't know if you're going to get better than that necessarily with the 13th overall pick that the Pelicans have in the upcoming draft. So Maxi, if you're comfortable with what you saw from him in high school and lower levels, and I'm going to admit to of not watching that, which is why I played Brad's clip for you here, then yeah, he seems like a pretty good option for the Pelicans who are looking for somewhat of a lead guard or a guy that can maybe handle that a little bit more than what we've seen from some of the guys here on the roster. So keep an eye on Tyrese Maxey. And also I think people from Kentucky won't get slept on as much after Tyler Hero and what he did in his rookie year in the NBA and the Heat going to the NBA finals and playing a big part of that in the playoffs too. Worth keeping that in mind too, that maybe he has some of that success and maybe it's like a Kentucky thing. As Brad said, they kind of look worse in college and are much better in the NBA and there's some truth to that. So keep an eye on Tyrese Maxey, a guy that I wouldn't hate if the Pelicans ended up taking with their first round pick. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.